This is Critical Nonsense, our high lowbrow show about culture, science, and tech. This week, I ask Aaron about how we conceive of history. Um, Jess, can I start this podcast without a song because I don't have Joey here to get my mind right? Yeah. Okay. This is what an Aaron sounds like without a Joey. (laughs) And this is what an executive producer and present sounds like Jess Vander. Hi, this is Jess. Indeed. Present? Yeah. Like the time factor. No, 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 no. The or a? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Kanye West present. Yeah. Uh, the present is a my presence is a present is a line uh, so mm, mm. the one time that i'll give a hat tip to a to a kanye lyric got it got it got it yes, <laughs> yes i didn't catch the reference but now i understand indeed oh so nice it's nice to see you jess we are here on this podcast we are and i don't know that any of the actual listeners can see this but we are in a palatial estate uh, there are yeah. like beautiful green it. rolling hills. It's outstanding, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah, sort of. You can hear the trickle of a bubbling brook nearby. Yes, yes. Um, birds, birds, miraculously muted by sound mm-hmm. engineer Alex mm-hmm. Contell um, are otherwise sort of um, tweeting. Yeah, so it's really it's quite picturesque where we are. Um, it is for this. sure. We're not actually sort of just like calling from from home <laughs> no of course not no and and it's important that people understand this location because the first question that we always have is whether or not this house is clean have we is it kept it has this palatial I, estate it is an enormous clean? estate it is huge and it's tidy because we got no house no keeping of house to do none none of it none none of it we're starting off real strong with long yeah so good jokes. just a That's good just a long intro a long introduction to see how Indeed. long we can, we can do it yes yes and so i turn to you just then if we're into <laughs> content and questions i hear that you have a uh, uh an emergent brain grape to bring to the critical nonsense mind vineyard uh winery uh, oh. yes is that right I would love <laughs> to explore that idea further. <laughs> Future app. Future app. So I went to see a show called Six the other week, um, oh, which yeah. for listeners who don't know, it is, I would, I would highly recommend it if you have a chance to see it and you live in the New York area and or I'm actually trying to, I think they have toured in other places too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the one thing you need to know about this show is that it revolves around the sort of, um, histories and the stories of six women who have the one unique commonality that they were all once married to King Henry the eighth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we, ahead of this show, we're sitting around at dinner and the group of us were talking and we were like, huh. I didn't know that Henry VIII ruled in a span of like 30-ish years in the 1500s. Like, 
that is something that I did not know. And then we thought like, wow, actually when pressed, I'm not certain I would be able to name any other thing. I mean, I wouldn't even even been able to name that probably because I'm not great with history, but also maybe anything else that happened specifically and certainly during the 1500s. And then we were going through like, wait a minute, what are <laughs> the sort of tentpole moments of history that I do know and I can say when exactly they happened? And we were, <laughs> we were joking like, Basically, what you're taught in school, what a lot of people are taught in school is that history is effectively like working backwards. Present day, 9-11, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the world wars, mm-hmm. a huge chasm, and then Jesus, <laughs> and then dinosaurs. <laughs> that <laughs> that is like, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like, is, is that, is, what is that? Like, the fact that, um, you know, we may not in like, m- many schools leave out entire swaths of, uh, certainly in the U.S., of like world history as a construct mm-hmm. is is like notorious for being left off of the the U.S. education slate. And it's just so interesting to think about like, wow, our concept of history is so, so dependent on so many things that we are um, shaped by in school and in time and the people we know and and those people may have been taught something totally different and and what we remember even in our construct of history is so interesting and um and complicated and what better person to wrestle with this type of context heavy question than you Aaron um so i i want to know how how do we wrestle with history You know, I have I have a very difficult relationship with history because like, you know, as a kid, social studies class, like I was bad. I There are two things that I am notoriously. Oh, oh, good. Oh, good. I didn't realize we had this in common. Also. Yep. Oh, <laughs> like there. I I am notoriously bad about certain things as an adult that started my childhood. One of them is geography. I am crap at geography. Um, And the <laughs> second is is i mean like date like history but like what i would say is like wrote history in that way that so many of us in the u.s were taught history which is like what date did this thing happen in what years did this thing happen and it's Mm -hmm. always focused on that so that you know makes me a very very bad adult and makes me work a lot harder to understand world events and like the context of current day events when i'm like Mm -hmm. oh let me just take myself through high school history all over again every time i open the new york times um but i i guess one of the things that i think that we always struggle with around history is the fact that when it is taught in any way shape or form there's a tacit admission that it is i don't know that like collective memory is even worse than our individual memories so like things will be forgotten quickly and we will not remember mm. them, discuss them, and as like within days, we will just like let it recede and not be something mm-hmm. that's that's worth talking about. But even in framing it that way, I think that there's this misnomer that history is about um, telling the story of what happened, which I don't think is true. I think that history is about 
establishing a current ideology. And when I think about like even this, mm. like the way that different countries and like different history classes, depending on where you take your history classes in uh, grade school or in college, whatever the case may be, like there are different beats because there are different stories that are important for cultural identity. And those are the stories by certain authors that are deemed necessary versus unnecessary. And I think that that is what usually like causes the main conflict, which is between yes. information critique and authorship. Which, like where do those three things work or happen? Yes, absolutely. I mean, put another way, the like probably trite by now concept of like history not being about objective facts and it actually being stories. Yes. <laughs> and if it is stories, then of course there is narrative editorial and like there's there's all the other elements of um you know, uh there is a narrator and that narrator has context and all the things you learn in English class, right? Of like even these things that we take to be objective in some way have baggage and other stuff. Yes. And it's not, I mean, I think we're talking pretty squarely about like formal, formalized like education history, but like it shows up mm -hmm. in family histories too. Like if you hear one aunt tell the story about your family and then another aunt tell the story about your family history, <laughs> there are like giant holes missing, even though they both might have grown yes. up in the same household. And it's just the microcosm mm -hmm. of like, Yes, who tells the story, what was deemed important enough to capture, and then, um, of course, like the, the work of turning it into the parable, the work of turning it into how are you going to tell that story back to others, and how do you ask that it be repeated in that same order? Like, it, it makes me very, um, it makes me very uncomfortable, but at the same time, I find it very engaging, because like, I as a whenever I'm the recipient of a historical piece of text, whatever that may be, <laughs> I'm just like analysis mode. I'm just like rabbit holing to try to figure out. I just want to know who the author was. Like I immediately want to know, tell me mm -hmm. more about the author. What was their political ideology? What was what are the things that were important to them and who wasn't important to them? Like I think. I think it is uh, something that's really important to developing a sense of identity. Yes, at a like broader geographic cultural level, but at a family and an individual level too. Your history and how you recite the facts and in what order you string them together is an exercise in inviting understanding. Um, that like, I don't know that everybody is actually... Th th we know that there is no objective version of it. So I'm just surprised that we've never gotten to a what's the point. <laughs> and or, well, and I, I guess like that it's, that it feels like there are some things that should be, but that that somehow blurs like the mm -hmm. first layer of things, which are like, what do we know for sure? And what don't we know for sure? Or what's just like a layer on top of that? And, so, and that mm -hmm. is like the first layer where things can start to break down of like, is that something we know? Like, were they born on like some things that are inarguable? Like they're 
born on this day or something as a part of history that's in the bullet in the textbook and the um versus something that is more of an um uh a narrator's cue or layer of edit second thing of then what it is what is it that we share so mm. like of the things that we know or don't know, then there's like some combination of those things that we share or do not share. And those like omissions or inclusions have some layer of importance and like shaping of how we see our history. And then this thing, which like I think is the weirdest one, is the what we remember and don't remember. Um, yes. Because what like the things that stick out to you in what has been shared, like what are the what are the stickiest pieces of history um that like claim a space in your head the the phrase like living in my head rent free yes. comes to mind yes. <laughs> just like why that why is it this and and yet so many other things that maybe are of critical importance have left me and i say this as somebody who is like a self-identified also not strong history buff what's the opposite of a history buff a history um, history un uh history weakling history um, oh a history uh uh dilettante dilettante no that just sounds french i mean it kind of is but uh, that's where there's also this like time fusion thing going on of like uh it's a it's a there's there's editing and there's time factor of mm -hmm. history being parsed from things we know, things we share, and things that sort of um, persist in our memories. Yes, it's, it's so strange. <laughs> it's well, it's, one of the things that, it's putty. It's, it's just me. It's putty. It's very and I, what I love about that is that like yeah, it's history is when you take the thing, you stick it on the newspaper. So it's already been something that's been authored, and then you stretch it in all these different directions until it looks sort of like the thing that they originally said, but actually now it's kind of different. So like I know we were just saying, it's and putty, that's but... misinformation, folks. Um, but what I. One of the things that I think is going on in those forces, too, is that history is as much about the time in which it is written as much as it is about the time that is being written about. And so mm. this weekend, for example, I watched uh, Red, White and Royal Blue on Amazon Prime, the like basically fanfic about the Prince of England falling in love with the son of the first uh, uh, female president of the United States who happens to be Uma Thurman. And like, that's amazing. Just great. Wow. Like, whoa. If you are a rum comedian, uh, then get the, to get the hither to that movie because it is perfect. It does all the things right. But wow. one of the things that I was reading about about it was this like very uh this propensity to just erase all queer people from all of history that now we're taking so many strides to elevate them again and to be like yeah there probably wasn't a word for what abraham lincoln's relationships were but today we would not call that exclusively straight or eleanor roosevelt like they're all these historical figures where it's like oh yeah well now we use these terms to describe what those relationships were. And yes. that isn't necessarily a good thing because not only do you sort of uh, um, apply a modern day 
value system onto the type of relationship that might have existed in the past, you rob, I think, or erase some of the tensions that existed in that or some of the nuances that existed within that. And I'm I'm only surfing that as an example of you can't talk about the past without forcing it through the lens of the present. And by the very fact that our storytelling changes over time, the story you tell today is going to be different to the way the story is going to be told tomorrow or in a few years. And that's really difficult to navigate for us culturally, I think. Certainly culturally. I do think that whether, I mean, this is this is the question, but I, I, I think like in principle, history as a study is intended to at least consider the contextual elements of like it's unpacking the things that happened at a given time in the context of the things happening at that time yeah to right like and and then yes of course there is the relationship between us and those events but i guess i can i can imagine there's sort of the the duel of history as study and almost the process of trying to trying to unpack that in its in a more sterile and scientific environment versus like history in our relationship with it culturally and me at the dinner table with friends being like I don't know anything in the 1500s where it's like whoa there's just such a there's just such a gap between those two things and how um how like the average person's relationship with history ends up looking um even despite you know cer- certainly there being um the validity to like history as the study and the practice yeah there's such an attention economy and information pipeline that has to be attached to it because for certain things you have to have dedicated people to mine that event and to try to capture it in as transparently or uh you know foolhardily objectively a manner as possible and then they have to Mm -hmm. speak about it enough that it gets passed around until it gets back to someone who's going to be at a dinner table be able to being able to talk about it and i think Mm -hmm. i'm not going to go down the full rabbit hole of educational policy in the u.s and a lot of conversations about changing uh, uh changing school tutoring or teaching guidelines in a state like florida If you want to get into it, I'm just look it up. Just look it up. But my point is there are a lot of filters that are necessary to try to arbitrate and specify and structure that pipeline. What information goes from those who have dedicated the time to try to figure out a thing and really put in the effort to figure out what it is at its closest to its essence and then after it goes through all of its clunkabunks of the Mario pipeline and clunk, 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 you know, until it ends up in our heads as like five-year-olds in school. Like, what are the things that have been set aside? What And, you know, this was always my critique. And so I'm just going to defend 12-year-old me for a minute who could not, he did terrible Great. in history classes. Yes! Like, Mm. all of the grading was just about how many of the dates can you remember? And the answer is, who cares? (sighs) Oh, 
deeply, deeply frustrated that maybe my GPA at a very young age was besmirched because I couldn't remember 1846 versus 1945. Now, granted, I would remember a lot of things that happened in the U.S. between those dates now, but... (laughs) And it's a very common criticism. I think any educator who's listening on this, none of this is new, where it's like, yes, people tend to remember stories more so than they remember rote facts because it puts them into mm-hmm. an order. And even mm-hmm. uh, from what I understand, uh, biologically or neuro- uh, neurologically, our memory allows those stories to stick in long-term memory more so when it is something that's parabolized or store narrativized as opposed to something that is an individual piece of data. So in defense of 12 year old me, it is important in order to make these things stick to make them stories. However, in making them stories, we bring in or leave out really important context that ultimately makes that thing something worth repeating or something worth remembering. And that's a we ride that line every time we get together and have a conversation in a room. It's just it's part of human it's part of humanity from what I understand. Yeah. It feels like that is also the a, a nice synopsis of like the puttiness that we've been talking mm-hmm. about so far is like uh there there is always like this other layer on top of any aspect of history. That said, I will say, because we've been sort of dragging it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. through all kinds of things, that like what I what I think is really cool about history and why I wish I were I had better memory and I were better at um at sort of just filing those things away in my mind is that um there is there is an empathy that you can create by understanding mm. the the nuances of history and mm-hmm. how certain things led to another thing, right? Because it's that relationship between events and um, wars and uh, like all, all kinds of different things that have happened over the course of history where you start to have that kind of it, it it can maybe do the thing of opening your eyes even more, like as you're digging into the complexity of situations. For instance, um, uh, you know, when you, uh, regardless of your stance on the matter, like understanding the deep, deep complexity of um, what's going on in Israel and Palestine mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. like that region of the world is like you you have to understand it's like how far are we going back because like it is it is like so mired in deep deep history and all kinds of stories that are you know you know that like that make you understand like wow that is this uh however you have decided you feel like at least you can understand the complexity of some of the things going on over there um and so i i for that i i think despite our need to maybe recognize the the context left in or left out like I, the pursuit of history is noble and um and trying to capture as much as much of that context as we can and 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 yeah like ideally <laughs> ideally make it compelling so that um we as a collective are able to retain what we 
what we can and learn from it and and pick it apart even if we don't always come to an answer but um i don't know sorry history we didn't mean to trash you <laughs> there, there are many good things about you yeah i mean you i'm glad you said that because it's really powerful when we continue that pursuit of history to embrace the notion of histories that as soon as you recognize that an event had many different players who had many different motivations and many different desired outcomes um, in dismantling or decon uh, deconstructing any one of those individual stories, you are enriched in that. I think I, this notion of learning from history so that we don't repeat itself, I find in general fascinating. And the cynic within me doesn't believe that we ever learn anything and that we can be told oh. something a hundred times, but it, we just don't, we don't, we're very, or maybe even more charitably put, we put our instincts forward over our knowledge of outcomes collectively. Um, but I, I, man, I am in like a cynical Mr. Negativity spot, I'll admit it. But to, to add a little bit of, of gummy bears bouncing here and there and everywhere into it, I do think that when we open ourselves up to that critique of what those histories could be, there is so much value there. And, there, and I think it's important for history, history to be reinterrogated, maybe not so much so that we can learn from those mistakes, but so that we can at least be enlightened over and over and over again. Like at the very least have something surfaced on a regular basis that pushes us to re to develop new instincts that develop that shapes those instincts in a way that that maybe are slightly re-steered in one direction or another. Um, I will also say for what it's worth, the best history class I took probably like a lot of people was in college. And it was pretty much a present-day history course. It was 19, American history from the 1950s to 2003, basically. Uh, and it knocked my socks off because I didn't realize that when I was getting the... Now, granted, I was in high school when 9-11 happened, but yeah, <laughs> like Jess's chapters of history. It's like the 9-11 Jesus dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, and there was like some Byzantine empire in there at some point, maybe in my world history class in high school. But when I got to college and they were able to give me American history and those dates, it put my parents into context and it put me into context in a way that I never realized that I was, an, that my family, my life was a part of history. And it inspired me to actually find out from my parents. I sat them down for the first time to try to get our family history of like, wait, so grandparents, like what's the story there and their grandparents? And like, so how far back can we go? What do we know? And being confronted as well by that um, erasure of how much of my story I didn't see in history books, but also how quickly we were forgetting the different parts of the story and how completely unreliable my parents are as storytellers because they memory. <laughs> my God, I know that some of those stories didn't happen. <laughs> so I will, I'm, this is a huge pile on to your point, Jess. I think that history has value. And as though, although we have, I have dragged it, we have dragged it a bit. Um, there is a reason that we still do it. There is a reason why we haven't just decided, nah, it's not important. Um, and as much as it is about perhaps the noble pursuit of capturing all that was, 
perhaps it's just that delightfully futile effort of trying to figure out why we're here anyway every day. Yeah. Did, did, is that, did I say a thing? Did I land a thing? Did that sound inspiring? I think or something? you really did. I think cool. I think it was like so inspiring. I'm really inspiring. Did you know that I'm a thought leader? I don't know if you knew that about me. I would say you were <laughs> actually a capital T, capital L thought leader. Thanks. I appreciate that. Did you know that you're a thought leader too? You lead in thought. I'm a lowercase t, lowercase l <laughs> thought leader. And then every other letter is all caps. Thought leader. I like that. Thought leader. <laughs> Um, but does that um, does that row us in our rowboat into the small eddy that is this week's corner wrap up corner? The wrap up eddy. The wrap up eddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that where we have started and ended is just grappling with the complexity that is history that we can't possibly know everything about everything that has ever happened. Uh, We can't possibly share all of the things that would be relevant to a certain situation to try to contextualize uh, past events. And we can't possibly remember them all. And yeah, we're probably going to remember the dumb things that are really sticky or were in a really good story that were told to us once. But that this whole conversation is wrestling with the fact that there are these two elements of history, the, the sort of elusive, maybe some would argue unreachable quest for objective universal truth and all of the messy story riddled universe of history around it and the way that we trade and pass it along and understand it and um, process it and learn from it. And uh, not that we could possibly solve history in, out- in an hour, but that this acknowledgement of the putty that is history and our relationship with it is the biggest and kind of most crazy thing that maybe uh, as an adult is something that I'm only grappling with now and that, yeah, 12-year-old me in school may not have fully understood, um, but that we can maybe hold both of those things in our mm-hmm. hands and say... I want to be an explorer and adventurer and an understander of the world. And also I'm never going to have it figured out because who does? Man, there is nothing more adult than that. Is there? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. We are. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> this is fun. This is good. Are we having this a good time? We're having a good time. We're having a good time tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. God, what do we do without Joey? I know. <laughs> God, I love that off ramp. Critical Nonsense is a Sylvain production. Brought to you by History Books. Wah, wah. <laughs> 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 Right. <laughs> I'd like to take this opportunity as I rarely get to thank Aaron Powers and Joey K. Meyer, my co-hosts in crime and my history <laughs> weaklings. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, thank Joey. You. I don't know if I should lump you in with that group. 
No, no, no. It's fine. He's in here. Get into this basket of weeklings. Um, We also want to thank our own personal uh, uh, retro futurist visionary and sound engineer, Alex Contel. We'd like to thank programming coordinator and professional Play-Doh architect, Les Jacobs. Wow, that's good. Uh, we also need to acknowledge the, again, the gummy bears that bounce here and there and everywhere. And also uh, have had a hand in this entire podcast production crew of Zara Gilbert and designer Nora Mestrich. Yep. Yep. Kind of. And as always, thank you. Sorry, Alan. <laughs> God, I'm so sorry for this one. Yeah. <laughs> Special thanks. Mm. Um, I will thank my, <laughs> I will thank, I think he was my sixth grade history. Te- no, he's my high school history teacher, Mr. Staten, uh, because it was a current events class that we also looked at recent history. And this was, I guess, when George W. Bush was running for election. And he used to always refer to him as shrub in class just because he was a little Bush. Like that was just a, such a corny joke. It was completely apolitical, but I just loved that to differentiate between Bush Senior and Bush Junior, it was Shrub versus Del- or Shrub versus uh, Shrub Bush. It was great. Bush. Yeah. So thanks, Mr. Staten. Very delightful. Yeah. <laughs> um, similarly, I would like to thank the um, IB program for helping mm. to broaden my history horizons in high school. I uh, I think. That was sort of when I was like, wow, I I am not sure if I am strong in history, but this is like the closest that I'm getting to being able to appreciate um, it as an area of study. And um, I respect it immensely, even if I have failed it as as both an art form and an academic pursuit. Sorry, I don't know anything that happened in the 1500s. I know. I mean, it's a really difficult uh, century. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. It's a tough uh, time. It's a tough century. <laughs> you inspired me to remember. I need to thank everyone who I've ever met and had a conversation with, first of all, about geography, because no, I have no clue where I am or where we are or where anything is. And so thanks for being patient on that front. And then also thank you for everyone who has come from a different educational background for me as well internet folks Mm -hmm. who of course have grown up in many other countries than me and are like able to fill in these centuries long gaps in my awareness of this blue marble that we're on um for taking that extra time that is not necessary to do to just like give me a little bit of insight i really appreciate um and and uh yeah all those history teachers that gave me bad grades Y'all suck. They gave me bad grades. They gave me bad grades. I did not earn bad grades from those teachers. They gave me bad are, grades. Very are, different. It's a different thing. Very different. So actually, this is yes. Aaron and Jess's history bitterness <laughs> yeah. corner where we're just yes, like it is. salty about <laughs> we're salty about so this. So much. So uh, much. Oh, I would have yes. such Ooh, I would have killed it in grade school had that not happened. Uh, Jess, I know you already thanked your co-hosts. I just want to also thank you for your intelligence, candor, and, um, and humanity. It's 
an honor being able to spend time with you. So thank you for that. Wow, that was really nice. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You're very welcome. I wasn't even putting the full force of that on there, but you, you know, it's cool. Um, With that, I bid you adieu. That's a double adieu. I do do. It's like I'm running out. I do. Yeah. Sneeze. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Testing. Testing. One, two, check, check. Check, Mike, check. One, two. Check. Yeah. Cool.